Don't pass out, pass over. It's a marketing slogan from a beer company owned by some Jewish guys. Their brewery is known as Hebrew. Hebrew. <laughs> and their beer is actually pretty good. Now, I'm not sure what all this has to do with a podcast encouraging Christians to celebrate the Jewish Passover this week, but you have to admit, it is a catchy advertising line. And with that in mind, welcome to the Brian Sussman Show podcast, Faith, Family, Freedom. Actually, I just figured out how to properly work this into the podcast. So keep on reading. Don't pass out, pass over. Let me begin by saying this. It is... There's that uh, Christmas song. It's the most wonderful time. Jeez. Me, 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 me. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Excuse me. Wow. Uh, It is the most wonderful holiday of the year, Passover. It really is. It's, It's like Christmas and Easter and more all in one. All in one. And if you enjoy drinking wine, I got news for you. Don't pass out, pass over, because there are four glasses of wine involved in the Passover. Now, some of us uh, do smaller glasses than others. Some actually who are on the program, so to speak, use grape juice. But it is a just a wonderful time to be with friends and to be with family and celebrate life and life abundant, and life, and life eternal. So let me get into this. Now, Scripture does not command Gentile believers to celebrate the Passover or the other feasts, but they're certainly free to do so. In fact, celebrating the Jewish feasts, I think, is is a wonderful thing to do because there is so much meaning Now, the celebration of Passover originated at a time in Israel's history when the Lord moved through Egypt, destroying the firstborn of all people and animals. Just read Exodus 11, read Exodus 12. This was the final of the ten plagues God visited upon Egypt, designed to force Pharaoh to let the Israelites leave the country and their captivity. The Israelites were commanded by God to take the blood of a male lamb, one without blemish, perfect in all ways, and mark it on the doorpost of their houses. When the Lord saw the blood, he would pass over that house. All inside would be safe. This, of course, is a foreshadowing of the spotless and sinless Lamb of God, Jesus, Yeshua, whose blood would cover the sins of those who believe in him, causing God's judgment to pass over them. And ever since that night, Jews have celebrated the Passover in remembrance of God's grace to them. Now, there has been an exciting explosion of interest in adapting the Passover festival to Christianity. More and more Christians every year are getting into this. More and more churches every year are getting into this. I think it's really cool. Various organizations, such as Jews for Jesus, who have been around for a long time, have long promoted keeping the Passover as a means for Messianic Jews, Jews who believe in Jesus as Messiah, to retain their cultural heritage while professing their faith in Messiah. Many of the rituals associated with the Passover Seder, the Passover Seder is the Passover dinner, have a direct application to the Christian faith. 
And a celebration of the Passover provides a unique way to realize the assuredness of salvation in that ceremony. Like so many of the original Jewish feasts described in the Bible, the Passover feast is a shadowing, a foreshadowing of Messiah's atonement via death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. While, again, it's not required for Christians to celebrate the Passover Seder, it is beneficial to celebrate it. Every time my wife and I, uh, every year when we do this, we always, generally speaking, we always have another couple come to our Seder table who is not Jewish, and it'll be their first time coming to a Passover Seder. And each and every time, I don't think these people are pulling our legs, each and every time these people have been blown away and have been so, so grateful for the opportunity to be at a Passover Seder. So personally, I believe that by missing out on the Passover, you're really missing out. The observance of Passover leads to a greater understanding and appreciation for Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's a wonderful picture of his deliverance of us from from the bondage of sin, something that we should be thankful for, of course, every day of our lives. But in the Passover, you will discover something, and I'm going to talk about two aspects of the Passover in just a moment. There are four glasses of wine. We'll talk about the bread and the wine. The bread is the unleavened bread. It's the matzah bread. You can buy it at any store or any time of the year, in fact. It's, it's bread without leaven. Leaven, of course, represents sin. So there's the matzah bread. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. And by the way, when you share these things with Jewish people, they, generally speaking, they respond by, what? What? Really? They don't know where to go. They really don't know where to go because they're suddenly seeing Jesus, Yeshua, in the Passover. It's really interesting. So there are four glasses of wine consumed during the dinner. And that's why I say, be careful, don't have too large a glass. <laughs> but one of those is, here. Just these are little teases, and then we'll get into it. One is the cup of suffering. Another is the cup of redemption. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus was sharing the cup of suffering with his disciples. He shared the cup of redemption with his disciples. And there's even an incredible portion of this ancient feast whereby suddenly you understand what Christian communion is all about. The communion comes from the Passover. The bread of communion is actually the unleavened bread from the Seder that is broken during the meal and consumed afterward. This is my body given for you, Luke 22, 19. And the four glasses of wine. Well, (laughs) just remember, don't pass out, pass, pass over. But the symbolism is incredible. Let's start with, let's start with the wine. Let's start with the wine. There's the first cup. You have four... Uh, if you do a Jewish Seder to a T, you're going to be, I mean, my wife and I have done these. They've gone three hours. The dinner goes three hours. It could easily go four hours, just depending on how much time you want to have to just eat in fellowship. But the first cup of wine that sets the stage is the cup of sanctification. It's consumed early on in the meal. 
And what does sanctification mean? It means set apart. Now, the Jewish people have been set apart. Isn't it interesting? All these thousands of years later, the Jews remain a distinct people group. In fact, there are many Jewish occasions where you can go to many dinners, and sometimes this is even said at feasts. Do never, I think it's, it's, excuse me, it's never forget, never forget. Everyone will just chant that together. Never, don't forget where we came from. Don't forget who we are. Don't forget that we're set apart. Don't forget that we're different. Don't forget that we've been persecuted forever. Never forget. And, and this should be our attitude, I think, going into this as well. Never forget that we as believers have been set apart from the rest of this world. We praise God that he selected us and he set us apart through his commands, through his love, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the grave, through his ascension to sit at the right hand of the Father. And he set us apart, what? To come back for us again. This is the first cup. This is the cup of sanctification. This cup is also known as the Kedush cup. Kedush. The cup of sanctification, Kedush. Uh, It is also used to sanctify every Sabbath, as well as Passover. The Kedush cup. The second cup is the cup of praise. So first we have the cup of sanctification. Now we have the cup of praise. And of course, the cup of praise is consumed with a prayer of praise to God for being our constant source of deliverance. In every generation of Jewish history, there has been a deliverer. How much so for us who know Jesus, he is our deliverer. He's praised for rescuing, of course, his people from Egypt and Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Assyria and Rome and all the other foreign countries. But he will rescue us from this present darkness as well, my friends. That's the second cup. First cup, cup of sanctification. Second cup, cup of praise. Third cup, cup of redemption. This is consumed after the meal and after the ophicomen is found. Hmm, we'll talk about that coming up. In the ancient world, of course, redemption referred to slaves being purchased and liberated. The Jewish people were once slaves. Never forget. Jewish people thank and praise God for freeing them from Egyptian bondage to this very day. Never forget. Not only did God deliver them from the physical hardship of slavery, but also from the constant exposure to Egypt's false gods. Never forget. The third cup also has a particular significance for believers in Yeshua because this is the same cup that Jesus took after supper and said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. That's the cup of redemption. He took this cup. Now, the disciples and all those who were present at that Passover had to wonder, what is he saying here? He's taking the cup of redemption. We all get that. But he's saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. They figured it out later. But at the time, do you see the wonderful, the wonderful significance of the cup of of redemption? 
And then there's the fourth cup. It's the cup of praise. It's, it's wonderful because we praise him for his redemption. We praise him for his deliverance. We praise him for his sanctification. And that's the point at which during their gathering, they sang a psalm of praise and left from there. So those are the, the cups. They had very significant meaning as Jesus was consuming those cups of wine with his followers. But there's more. There's more. There's the bread. Oh, the bread. This, this is so fun. It's the matzah bread. This is three pieces of bread. And if you'll notice the bread, the matzah bread always has stripes on it. Stripes on it. My goodness, could perhaps those stripes signify the stripes which Jesus took during his torture? With his stripes we are healed, the scripture says. Very intriguing, isn't it? Now, we have the three pieces of flat matzah bread. We take the middle bread, and the father in the family would break that matzah in two, just like our father in heaven allowed his son to be broken on behalf of our sins. So the father and family would take the middle matzah, break it in two, take one portion of the matzah and wrap it in a nice cloth. And then this clean white linen cloth, which is known as the afikamen, would be taken and hidden somewhere in the room. It's the children who take part in it at this point, and they hide it somewhere in the room. And of course, later they're encouraged to earnestly search for the buried treasure of the unleavened bread, which is striped. And even if you look closely, the matzah is always pierced and wrapped in a beautiful cloth and buried and earnestly sought. And then when discovered, found to be of great value. Do you see Messiah here? I mean, this clearly the, parallels the events surrounding the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah. So there is the afikamen that's been wrapped in a beautiful piece of cloth. It's the middle matzah, broken in half, wrapped, hidden by the children, rediscovered after the meal, brought forward. And for the children who have found this wonderful treasure, there are small little gifts. You know, the entire Passover, and we're just talking about a little snippet here, my friends, but the entire Passover is clearly pointing to Jesus the Messiah, who fulfilled all the symbolism throughout the Old Testament scriptures. You see, when we take communion, we can read this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-four, 24. And when he, Jesus, had given thanks, he broke the bread, the matzah, and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
See, Passover is a reminder of the sinless sacrifice made on our behalf. And when that afikamen is eaten, the, the matzah that has been wrapped in the beautiful cloth and hidden and brought out at the conclusion of the meal, it's a reminder of the sacrificial lamb, the sacrificial lamb of God, crucified on our behalf, buried, risen from the grave, and now seated at the right hand of the Father. The unleavened bread, that's without sin. The striped bread, the pierced bread, the broken bread, the white linen cloth buried, diligently sought with a reward going to the discoverer. And now, of course, it's freely offered. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But as with all free gifts, one must accept it. Otherwise, it cannot be enjoyed. I'm assuming that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. That's the only way to heaven. You have to accept his gift of salvation. You have to accept it. Otherwise, that gift cannot be freely enjoyed for all eternity. Well, I hope you enjoyed this Passover edition of the Brian Sussman Show podcast. And if you did, please just make sure you share this podcast with a friend. More on me at briansussman.com. God bless you, my friends. And if I may, just for a moment, don't pass out, pass over. God bless you.